and we are live with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside once again by Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. And guys, Conference Championship Week has concluded this past week in the NFL. We now know this year's Super Bowl matchup. One really bad game to say the least at the NFC, but the AFC definitely gave us a game to talk about. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but guys, what was your overall opinion on this past weekend? The NFL um, scripted. Yeah, he kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Um, fuck Roger Goodell. All right, we're sorry now, you see. I've been on this train, though, for years at this point. Well, yeah, to be fair. fair, I think a lot of people have been on that train with Roger Goodell. Yeah, but after this week, it's really a true, it's a true statement. You can't, you can't fight it any longer. Well, we'll get into that game in a little bit. I, I guess let's start off with the first game in the NFC, and it was a tough game, really, realistically, to watch based on what happened during the game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's just face facts: the Eagles pretty much dominated this game. There was a controversial uh, catch on fourth down, the first possession of the game with Devonta Smith. Play should have been reviewed and should have been an incomplete pass, which would have given the Niners the ball. End of the day, was not reviewed. The Eagles, you know, to their credit, got up to the line pretty quickly, were able to run a play before it could be reviewed. They were able to score a touchdown. They pretty much dominated after that. They injured Brock Purdy on the Niners' first possession of the game, led to a sack fumble, and the Eagles just, like I said, they just ran away with this game. They're going to the Super Bowl after a convincing 31-7 beatdown of the San Francisco 49ers. So, a great job by Nick Sirianni in his second year here with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's got them in the championship game. Meanwhile, for the Niners, another tough end to their season. Once again, losing it in the NFC championship game. Brock Purdy's magical run ends. He also suffers a torn UCL in this game. He'll be out six months, so he'll be probably ready by the time you know training camp starts. So a lot of questions to be asked about for the Niners going into the offseason. And for the Eagles now, it's one more game, and they complete their ultimate goal of Super Bowl champs. This was the easiest run to Super Bowl I've ever seen in my life. You could say that, yeah. It's no, they, they played, they played um, a team without a quarterback. Half this game was Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. Yeah. So let's not forget that. And I mean, and they no, played the Giants the previous season. Previous who game. just looked outmatched. I mean, it's nothing even against the Giants. They just looked. They they were outclassed. Yeah. The one thing that bothers me most about this. Uh, how can I put this in, in the nicest way possible? Uh-huh. The Eagles fans were saying, well, it, it wouldn't have mattered either way. Here's my beef of that. I disagree. If you don't get that, if they overturn that call, right, which they should have, and you go, it's turnover on downs, whatever, and you play a legitimate game, there's a chance that play doesn't even happen because that play is a freak accident. I mean, so sure. The timeline about events led up to that. Yeah, but even if the next possession, the Niners fumble it and then Purdy gets hurt, so you could play that what if game, whatever, like if you want to. But hey, it's just I know it's a, a, this, a, this is a very uh, less severe example of this, but a more severe uh, example would be Derrick Rose's torn uh, ACL. He was up by fifteen. They just had him in there, you know, doing laps pretty much, and it was a freak accident. If he wasn't playing at that time, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just more of like, on top of the fact, the injury itself is just like so weird. I mean, I mean hey, who knows? Maybe they the change the play calling. You're not down by seven. You're you take over not at midfield. 
Maybe you run it a couple of times. Maybe you actually start throwing the Eagles defense off their rhythm because well, the Eagles also, defense really never got off the rhythm because it was just it was run, run, run as soon as Brock Purdy went down. Yeah, but also they refused to block. They refused to block Hassan Reddick, who was an absolute yeah, monster like, in this game. Sorry, I was taking I blanked on his name for a second. Let's try to regain there. Uh yeah, Hassan Reddick was literally an animal. All day ripping through that side of the line. Like they didn't even bother chipping with him. Like no, the they guard kept tight, they kept putting a tight end on him. Yeah, like I don't understand why you wouldn't then just have the guard and the tackle double team him. Like he is killing you. Yeah, I mean, it was really a rough game from the get go for the Niners. Even like even if you want to say that first touchdown doesn't happen. The injury to Purdy is was definitely the nail in the coffin for them. They had to turn to fourth string quarterback Josh Johnson, and then he gets injured in the game as well. He went out with a concussion, so he did not return. So it really led to Purdy coming into the game with that torn UCL, and you saw he couldn't throw the football. They had to try to run the football as much as they could, but by at that point, you just stacked the box, and the, that's exactly what the Eagles did. And the Niners just had no chance in this game, realistically, after Purdy goes down with the injury. And it's just tough for San Francisco. Another season where a lot of injuries really derailed their season, in which a lot of people believe they could have gone to the Super Bowl. Obviously, another tough end of the year for them. They probably could. Yeah, there's a there's a good chance they could have potentially won. Also, too, I'm just going to say this for the for the 49ers. I understand there weren't very many quarterbacks in the market, but with your quarterback history this season, why are you not carrying three quarterbacks? You need as much players I mean, as you I'm can. Gonna, uh, to be honest, I'm going to blame the Rams on this one. I'm going to blame the, they picked up Baker Mayfield for absolutely no reason. Wait well, they, 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 they have a perfect reason. Yeah, they now, what was have reason? Got, they now have somebody that, in worst case scenario, if Stafford goes down again, he Who's to say he even offense. stays with them? He's going to stay there. Who the hell else is Baker, Baker probably goes back there. I don't see a team offering him a starting role. Baker's just going to try to learn as much as he can from Sean McVay. Exactly. And you know what? It's a per. He might not be great, but at least you have a quarterback that will know your system. Baker had some flashes. Like yeah, Baker decent. looks pretty good. He was decent enough, but I mean, there's still a uh, lot of Baker to work Mayfield's. On. Uh, he reeks of starting quarterback of the New York Jets. But when let, he, let's when be they, real. When they whiff on Lamar Jackson yeah, and Aaron Rodgers. Let's be real. You could say you could blame the, not the, the Rams for this. You you can't sit here and tell me if Baker starts this game, the Niners are still going to win. Oh, they have a hell of a they have a lot better chance. I don't know. Brock had been pretty good. I don't really see how like that would matter that much. I I think at the end of the day, it just the, the Eagles are just a really good football team. You have to oh, like, as much team. as much as I hate to say it, they're just. Oh, we're not we're not denying their talent by any means necessary. It's just it's a what this is a big what if game. Yeah, but like I said, like I don't like with the way your injury history of being a quarterback. I don't know why the hell you're not carrying three. Not yeah. a lot of teams carry three quarterbacks, I, and I understand that. But like I said, though, <laughs> with your injury history, well, this season, I mean, well, it on. brings up a good talking point for them. It's now what do they do a quarterback for next season? Because you're gonna have Trey Lance back from injury. You're gonna have Brock Purdy back from injury. There's also rumors that maybe they go out and get a, a veteran quarterback like a Tom Brady. Jimmy G is probably not going to resign with the team. He's probably going to look to go elsewhere and start for someone. So, realistically, the Niners have a lot of options that they could do a quarterback next season. The Brady aspect is definitely 
you know, an interesting factor to say the least. But you do have two young quarterbacks that showed some, you know, you saw Purdy so a lot of flashes for him. And Trey Lance still gives you a good opportunity. You're, you're hoping that maybe he could show that flash considering you traded a lot of, you know, capital to get up, you know, get up in the draft and go get him. Yeah, I still just don't understand. The thing with Tom Brady is if this would be a homecoming for him. Do you yeah. think he's he's uh do you think he's over it from twenty two years ago? I think he would love to be a Niner. And listen, this, know, is, the, he this was is the a, type of team he wants to be on. You gotta think about it. He wants to be on a he, team that has a really this, good defense. He said this a decade ago that he was raised died in the wool 49ers fan. Yeah. Family had season tickets. He he was a big fan. Mom was a big fan, dad was a big fan. They still live out there in California. This would be a homecoming for him, finally, uh, over 20 years later in his career. I think, personally, I think it's going to be down to them or the Raiders that get, that get Tom Brady this offseason. I think one of those two teams will get him. He'll go. He'll be on the West Coast for sure, but the question is going to be which one of those two teams get him is going to be determined. Free agency is coming up, you know, just a couple couple weeks, realistically, so... Definitely it's will be another It's going to come down to if he's going to take a pay cut because Sam Rand. I mean, why? I mean, why? I mean, why not? You can win another championship. Tom Brady has well, taken pay cuts his entire career, and he has that deal from Fox where he's going to get paid fifty million dollars a year to be a commentator. I don't oh, think no. he's earned the money. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, he would take. He, he wouldn't care. Look like, at the that Niners team is ridiculous. Stacked. Still stacked. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Best defense in the I NFL, just, I, in my opinion, still. You got Carson a great on offense. Like you got a top two tight end. And, you have Debo Samuel. Samuel. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, as you said. Yeah, they have they have so have much CMC. I mean, free now yeah. too. Yeah, it's we a said really all good those team. people, and we just glanced over CMC, who's probably the most talented out of all those players we mentioned. Yeah, right. I'm just I, personally, I think Brady's washed and needs to retire. Uh, yeah, they said the same thing after that one season in New England where oh, he was an above-average quarterback, and then he went to Tampa Bay and became oh, the eater of worlds yeah. again. You just want this guy to play till he's 55, don't you? Yeah. I mean, he said he he might do that, so you never know. If Tom Brady every season can give you 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, why should he retire? <laughs> oh, God. There's, well, there's absolutely no reason against him retiring if he can give you what did he give you like 25 touchdowns this year, Nick? Like 25 and like that. Yeah, I'd say tw- like 25 to 28. I think he had, and I think he had 4,700, 4,800 yards. He threw a lot this season. The the Buccaneers could not run the football, so yeah, he had a uh, he had a lot of passing yards. He, I think he was top three in passing yards. He had a little bit too many interceptions he, for my liking. If he but wasn't he had, top three in passing yards, he was definitely top three in complete like attempts and completions because they just threw like forty to fifty passes a game. Realistically, yeah, he had seven hundred and thirty-three attempts this season, forty-seven hundred yeah. yards, twenty-five touchdowns, nine interceptions. Yeah. Don't like the interceptions, but he still has sixty-seven percent completion ratio, uh, complete percentage, and he had a ninety-one uh, passing rating. Like I, I, I don't see why you would. Want him to retire? To him, to call him retired, he's still a very above average quarterback. Even, and this is one of his worst seasons in the last 10, 15 years. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, listen, you gotta give it up. It, listen, it's what the Niners. If you still produce, you still you keep playing. It's gonna be I up mean, to Kyle Shanahan. And them. Wasn't Drew Brees still producing? Uh, not his last season in the NFL. He was, he was uh, not. I, yeah. He was not oh, good. Oh, I thought he was still solid. No, 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 no. No, no. He that was de- pretty that much. Def- that defense was realistically carrying him. 
Like uh, he's so, still bro, he's still so, completed seventy percent of his passes, twenty four touchdowns, six picks. That's not that's bad. Ba- that's basically you do. Yeah, you're basically just say insane Brady stats. Exactly, and except he had Brees half the amount the of yards and retired. Except he had two thousand less yards. Yeah, but Brady also played more games. He played a couple more games. I mean, even if you give him those couple games, he's not going to catch up. I mean, Brees threw for three thousand. Yeah, in like twelve games. Breeze yeah. also had that very bad like rib fracture too, which really basically I still don't think Breeze would have came back. I don't think Breeze would came back. Yeah, because the rib injury, you know, screwed with him. That that was why he mostly retired. Right. I mean, I'm, I was just saying a point. That's all. No, it's 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 understandable. Listen, like I said, the Niners have a a, a interesting off season. Key free agents are Mike McGlinchey and Jimmy Ward as well. So they have to figure out what they're going to do with those two guys who are two key stars for them. And then you decide on who's going to be your quarterback between the two you already have on your roster and potentially maybe a Tom Brady. We'll have to see what they do. But let's go to the next game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. And man, this game was marred in controversy to say the least. Chiefs holding on to win on the last second field goal, 23-20. to So they are going back to the Super Bowl. They're second in... Well, I said only the third, and I'm trying to think of how many years. Four? 2020. Four years. Yeah, yeah, four years. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bengals, listen, like it's, you could talk all you want about the. The Bengals are screwed. Listen, yeah, you could talk all about you want with the controversy of this game, but the Bengals still also realistically screwed themselves out of this game with some really bad penalties. I, I, I don't want to hear they screwed them. Yes, they had the terrible penalty at the end of the game. Yeah, the holding call by Eli Apple, too. I, there was, there was, listen, I agree with you. You think that holding call should have I, never hold, happened? No, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. It's not that the whole play, exactly, that should have never happened. The whole issue was... You could probably was, go back, not to cut you off, you could go probably on. go back in the entire history of the NFL. What we just saw when the play happened and then they called it dead after the play and gave him another yeah, opportunity on third down they gave him another opportunity on third down after the punting team was already on there then they switch him out and then they give him a holding call which i'm gonna be real with you if it was a chief's defensive back doing that they would have not gotten that holding call i agree uh, that would have been a 50 50 call at yeah, best I, yeah no that's that was a holding call any, pro- any, you, any person that says that eli apple not wasn't holding i understand you was, can say the play should never have Giants bias right now it's not new york Giants bias no, look was, at the play it was, it was a hold but it, what, like i've seen way worse not get called before i'm just saying that's not bias at all look at the play it's holding beyond belief also uh, not to you go even back said it was holding when it happened yeah that's true um not to go back a game but did anybody else see lane johnson literally false star and literally Every single goddamn. You're the play. only person seeing that. I don't I, know no, where you're getting I, it from, bro. I'll send you the video. I literally saw a guy say the exact same thing. Hold on, I'll send it to you. But going back to my original point, you could probably go back to every single game in the history of the NFL that has never happened before. No, oh, I'm, not dis- and I'm not disagreeing that the, the 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 call was weird because in reality, the right it was the right call that they. That there was a you know they need to stop the play. The problem was that they didn't stop the next play after that. That was what the issue was. That third down, like the original third down, should have never happened. And, and no one's disagreeing with that at all. The issue being is that the referees. It was just a really bad officiating game to say the least by them. And then at the end of the game, you obviously see that Joseph Asai, you know, the late hit out of bounds on Mahomes, it leads to. 
the Chiefs getting into field goal range, and it was just the unfortunate end, you know, nail in the coffin for the Bengals, and it ends their season. And I saw a lot of people talking trash about Joseph Osai. He was the only reason they were in that game. Agreed. Also, too, on that punt, there was two block in the backs and a hold that weren't called. One of the worst officiating games I think I've ever seen in any sport. Now, like I've said this multiple times, and people have disagreed with me, you should give the, the coach an ability to replay until they get it wrong. You can't replay like penalties, you can. though. Like... You, bro, like it's so egregiously bad. You think, and here's the pro- here's the problem. Why is that officiating crew calling this game when they were notoriously bad during the regular season? I'll as well? give you that. How do they get that opportunity? I'll give you that. The NFL should have some sort of press conference. You know how the players and coaches have to answer if they're being stupid. Like, oh, why did why did you you know not ice the kicker? What was with your clock management? You should have the refs go up, have a press conference after every game. Why did you call that? And I want to see them cite in the rule books why they called that. You know why they don't have it? Because the NFL is scared of their product. They are ashamed of it. They don't have faith in the referees, and they don't have faith to do something like that. And if you want to actually see a real change, a positive change in the NFL, you would relegate referees. You would tell, you'd have grades for them, like kind of they have umpire scorecards. And after, not after one game, but after the entire season, Based on how they perform, either send them up or keep them where they are, or send them down or keep them where they are. Where are you sending them down to? Send them to the NCAA, bro. I don't care. You think college referees are? You think college referees are better? No, I think the best college referees are better than the worst NFL referees. You're high, dude. I don't think you watch college football. Then the college football referees are even worse. They're fucking horrible. Have you seen some of the targeting calls that have cost teams national championships? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I am not disagreeing with that. But I'm saying the best college, the best college uh, referees are better that, than the worst NFL. That's no, the that's the problem. I couldn't even name the best none. college referees. That's my only issue with that statement. I best don't referees, even know. See, the best referees are the ones you don't know the names of. If you know a referee's name, you know they're bad. No, I disagree. Sure that? Well, that's for college bad. I think that's for college basketball and like the NBA. Yeah, like I think that's more of a, a basketball statement when you know that, because you know most of the fucking Big East referees for their terrible calls. Yeah, I see Pat Driscoll. I'm like, all right, the game's chalked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you you the know games, basketball, it doesn't referees. matter if I'm watching Big East play. If I'm watching Pac-12, I'm like, all right, this is gonna be this is a shitty officiated game. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. You know, you know basketball ones for football. Most of the time, you don't really. Like pay attention to them unless there's like a big time call made. And yeah. the more embarrassing part about all this is what's with the part time referees? I I get it if they work once a week, it's a part time gig, but they're not getting paid like part time employees. They're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this job. I think that's embarrassing too. Yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is. No matter what we say, it's never going to change the way the NFL does well, their you do business. Have- you do have uh, people, prominent members of the NFL, or should I say in the NFL spirit, like Pat McAfee, that are actively speaking against how trash the referee is being. It, it is, this has been an ongoing conversation probably more so the last five or six years. I mean, we accepted like 10 years ago, or almost 10 years ago, like, what, like oh, Des caught it, or did he not catch it? We all know he caught it. But it's kind of one of those things that just kind of got memed, like, oh, how could they like miss this? Now it's getting to the point where it's getting serious. Now with sports gambling being legalized in almost every single state, there are millions of dollars on the line every single game now. You have to have some sort of accountability. 
That's why the NBA had. That's why Vegas made the NBA remeasure all their players because a lot of their heights weren't accurate. They were off by an inch or two. Of their, you know, they were ten or fifteen pounds lighter. So when people were betting on that, it was giving them false information. Um, well, I'll but, say what I said after that game. I said this was basically if if we're going to go into rep ball, it was kind of what you saw in the Bills game where the referees were trying to kind of get the Bills back into that game and Buffalo really just could not get back into it. And you could say, you know, a lot of people will agree with me on this, that this game really realistically helped the Chiefs, you know, this was a able to hold game. on and win the game. This was and, an NFL revenge game. This was a hit job. And it, it, it's tough for Cincinnati. I mean, considering they went to the Super Bowl last season, could have easily gone back this year. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, the Bengals still could not really, you know, stop the Chiefs offense. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scanley had himself a nice game, had over 100 yards in the touchdown. Travis Kelsey did his usual, even though he was a game-time decision going into the game. And at the end of the day, I mean, the Chiefs did a great job maintaining that Bengals offense. I mean, Joe Burrow had a lot of trouble in the pocket, really – had a lot. He was under duress the entire game. They couldn't run the ball either. I, mean, they, I think Burrow led the team in rushing yards. So Cincinnati really had some time, some really bad times on the offensive side of the ball. But they're still a really good team, and they'll definitely be competing for championships throughout the next couple of years. Their biggest key now is to get Joe Burrow now an extension. That's obviously goal number one going into this offseason. They need to lock him up sooner rather than later. So we'll see where Cincinnati goes from there. But for the Chiefs, they're on to the Super Bowl. They will take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And what people have, you know, termed as the Kelsey Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl, however you want to call it, it's going to go down between Kansas City and Philadelphia this year for this year's Super Bowl. So we'll have to see what happens this year in Glendale. Should be an interesting game between the two teams. Interesting to say the least, because God knows we know the Chiefs didn't deserve it. The Eagles, well, we kind of deserved it. You really can't. There's no really case against the Eagles not deserving this, but there's a pretty heavy case against the Chiefs not deserving it. Agreed. I, it's just, oh, God, I want, I really, really want Joe Burrow in another Super Bowl. I mean, the NFL doesn't because, you know, Cincinnati isn't a, uh, isn't a big market, so. Not like Kansas City's any bigger, but the Chiefs are more of a national team with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know, Joe Shiesty, I think, uh, he got started drafted. to capture the, well, he's starting to capture the hearts of America, and they didn't allow it. Yeah, but like Nick said earlier with the Bills game, you know, they were trying to get the, the NFL was just mad from the Bills game. I, they wanted that story of, oh, Josh Allen, Mahomes again. Josh Allen's been screwed over a couple times. And they were finally going to maybe, uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but they were going to try to push the the Bills into the Super Bowl with all the, uh, with the DeMar Hamlin situation. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Josh I Allen finally conquering his demons and Patrick Mahomes, and he's finally Buffalo finally on the big stage after losing multiple times in the 90s. Like, that would have been the national story they would have ran with. But yeah. the Bengals ruined that, so this was a revenge game for that uh, on behalf of Roger Goodell. <laughs> I can't find it. I don't know about you, Nick. I'm just going to leave it at no comment. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. But let's get into some, before we get into our favorite part of the show, let's get into some other big-time NFL news that happened pretty much mostly throughout the past you know, couple of days. Obviously, the first big news was Frank Reich, now the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So Steve Wilkes does a great job at the end of the season getting Carolina in a position to win the division. Unfortunately, they are not able to win the division and make the playoffs. So Frank Reich, the former Indianapolis Colts head coach, now takes over the reins. Remember, he was the first 
uh, quarterback for the Carolina Panthers who the first had the first touchdown in their team's history. So now he gets to go back there and try to coach the Panthers into hopefully for them a chance to win the division next season. Obviously, the division is pretty much wide open for them to take it. So great opportunity for the Panthers. So we'll see where they go from there. Another interesting hire was the New York Jets hiring Nathaniel Hackett as the new offensive coordinator, the former Broncos head coach and Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. And obviously with this hiring, now you're starting to hear the rumors of maybe Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to the Jets and try to re- you know rekindle his relationship with with Nathaniel Hackett. And the Jets have been rumored even before this, you know, move was, you know, went down. So with this opportunity, it looks like the Jets are all, you know, all in trying to potentially make a move to get Aaron Rodgers in this upcoming season. So we'll have to see where the Green Bay Packers go from here. Do they want to trade Rodgers? Do they want to keep him? Is Rodgers even wanting to play? That's a lot of questions to be asked about, but it seems that the Jets are definitely keen on trying to potentially get a guy like Aaron Rodgers or maybe just another type of veteran free agent quarterback. So we'll see where they go from there. Other news, we have Mike LaFleur, the former Jets offensive coordinator. He's now going to the Los Angeles Rams to be their new OC. Vic Vangio is now the new defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. So a huge get for Miami. They get the former Broncos head coach and former Bears DC. He should do some great things with that Dolphins defense. He'll be um, the head coach midway through the year. You think he's they're gonna not fire McDaniel? Uh, I mean, they're I not. think the NFL might get rid of McDaniel. The guy might have just ruin Tua. We'll have to see where that about that, but I mean, listen, two <laughs> I mean, two two is concussions are definitely an issue, and that's why I think the Dolphins might go out and get a free agent quarterback because I'm not sure what his health is going to be for next season. So I mean, if Tua doesn't play, um, no, oh, it's no. it's I think McDaniel might be on the hot seat. It's it's definitely fair to to say that we'll have to see what goes on with them. Um, in news with the Dallas Cowboys, a couple of news for them. Dan Quinn informing teams that he's going to stay with the Cowboys to be the defensive coordinator. So a huge get back for Dallas. He does not become a head coach for a team. He's going to stay there and help build that defense, which was really good for them last season. But they did make a coaching change. Kellen Moore is no longer the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. They parted ways. So Mike McCarthy will be the play caller this upcoming season for Dallas. So definitely a surprising move, to say the least. Obviously, I brought about it a couple weeks ago how Kellen Moore definitely deserves some blame for their end-of-the-season loss against Tampa, uh, not against Tampa, against San Francisco. And for really how bad Dak Prescott played for most of the season, obviously it's not all on Kellen Moore, but it seems as if the Cowboys just really were you know, meshing together with him. So Moore is no longer with Dallas, but he is now the new offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers. So he goes from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert. So an opportunity for Moore to really, you know, get his name back in the bright lights. And he gets a young quarterback in Herbert, another great offense with guys like Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So he's got a great opportunity to get the Chargers back into the playoffs again after a tough end of the season for them last season. Obviously, Justin Herbert also having surgery. So he's hoping that Herbert will be good and ready to go for the start of the season. We'll see where they go from there. Nick, hold on. Wait, before you continue. Yeah. I've never been so happy to see somebody fired in my life. For Callum Moore? Yeah, because I love Callum Moore, and I just could not root for him as a goddamn cowboy. All right. Now... He's with Justin Herbert. I think this helps Herbert. Hopefully. You would hope. You would hope. Hope. Hope to God. It was a tough season for Herbert, to say the least. Yeah, Herbert just uh, – but that's beside the point. I, I think Kellen Moore's offense will fit Herbert better than ever fit Dak. So, uh, yeah, he's got, we'll he's, got a lot, he's got a lot of good weapons this season, too. As I said, yeah. Eckler, 
He's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen. No, no, hundred percent. I'm just more happy. I'm just, I'm just happier to see uh, him not wearing those disgusting colors anymore. No, that's that's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. I, I'm pretty much the Boise same way. State, we... Boise State legend. Like, I'm so happy. Now, Nick, you know what I see is kind of significant about all these hires. Well, I gotta get into the last two before you. Is okay. It, do you want me to get into the last two, or do you want to bring no, up the point? No, go ahead. Go, go with the uh, last two. Oh, All right, let me bring up the last, the last two before, one. The last two oh. before, I get it, before you get into your point. So uh, two coaching hires made today as of you know a couple hours ago. First one was the Houston Texans. They signed D'Amico Ryans, the former defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. They signed to a six-year contract. So the Texans, looks like they have their, their guy, a former player with the franchise. So a big opportunity for the Texans to maybe get back and you know, try to win. Listen, they're in a division where pretty much there's only one good team, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is surprising to say the least. So, if the Texans are able to make some moves in the offseason, maybe they could start making a push to try to get back into their winning ways, which they haven't been in a while. So, Ryan's definitely could bring a nice type of culture for this team. But the news that Grayson's alluding to is the Sean Payton news. Uh, Sean Payton, the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. Obviously, because he was still under contract with the Saints, he took a season off last season. So he gets traded to the Broncos. First time, I believe, a head coach has been traded since the John Gruden trade in 2002. And this is a big type of trade. The Denver Broncos trading their first-round pick in 2023, which was originally the San Francisco 49ers draft pick. That was used to get Bradley Chubb. So now Denver has no first-round pick this year, and they also trade a second-round pick in next year's draft in 2024. To get Sean Payton, they will also get a third-round pick in 2024. So at the end of the day, the trade is the Saints get a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year. The Broncos get a third-round pick in 2024, and they get Sean Payton. So the Broncos are all in. They try to get D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans committed to the Texans. They try to also get Jim Harbaugh. That did not work out for them as well. So at the end of the day, they get Sean Payton. They're hoping that he can hopefully fix the issues that they had last season, especially with Russell Wilson. And for Denver, it's pretty much they're going all in. They need to. Tr- they they're trying to get this team better after a horrendous season they had this year. And maybe Sean Payton is the guy that can help them there. But other than that, Andrew, what was your um your point you were going to bring up earlier? So my point was, I can't believe another team fell into this trap. The Raiders and the uh, last year's Raiders and this year's Panthers were in very similar situations. Correct. Were they not, Nick? Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely and, right. And I can't believe that the staff and the management, the owner of the Panthers, didn't see the Raiders as a warning sign and a mistake because they went after this, the, uh, I guess, the nice pick. They picked up uh, Josh McDaniels, an established OC, right? Right. They had the, the right head coach right in front of them. They should just hired. They should just gave him another year. Basaccia did it. Yeah, Basaccia did a great job with the Raiders. Got into the playoffs that season, and realistically, had a really good opportunity to win a playoff game against the Bengals. There was obviously some yep. controversy in that game as well. But besides that point, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is kind of in the same situation. Steve Wilkes, as I said, he went six and six down a really good with job. that Panthers team. And, and like that I said, team was garbage. Absolutely. Yeah, after traded, they traded McCaffrey, like yeah, uh, they essentially said we're going to tank, and they did not play as a, ta- a team that wanted to tank. They were no. in into the last week. They almost could have won. They were in position to win the NFC Make South game going yeah. into the, the second to last week of the season. Obviously, it just fell short against Tampa Bay uh, against Tampa Bay on the road, and now 
they let's they you know they don't they they you know essentially gave him an opportunity to become the head coach, but they go after Frank Reich as you said. And let's type be of, real, they hired a retread. Yeah, I mean, listen, like I said, there there is obviously some history with Frank Reich and the Panthers. As I said earlier, he scored the fir- he was a part of the first touchdown in the team's franchise history, and now he becomes the head coach of the team. But for Steve Wilkes, it's another tough break because remember he was also the former Arizona Cardinals head coach. And he got fired in his first season after they only won one game. Now, credit, that team was really bad. But a lot of people can, can say, like, listen, it's not all Steve Wilkes' fault. The roster on paper was just absolutely terrible. He had no chance of winning. So it seems as if Wilkes gets another bad rep here. Got the Panthers, as I said, into a chance to win the division. But he's definitely going to be an interesting coaching candidate. I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw him. He's, I think he's going to interview with the 49ers for their defensive coordinator position. That would be a big get for them if they were able to get him as the new DC. Considering, I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, considering 100%. all the stuff that he's done, he did with that Panthers team. Remember, the Panthers on paper, the defense doesn't look that great. And they, they played, played good enough. Phenomenal. Yeah, they played good enough to get them into the position to win that division. So we'll have to see where they go from here. But a lot of coaching you know, decisions being made these last couple of days. And keep in mind, there's still two, there's still two NFL head coaching uh, jobs still left open. The Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals still need to find their head coach. So there's still a lot to be you know, determined throughout the next couple of days. So we'll see where it goes from there. So yeah, what's... It's, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to this. I, I, I still can't understand this Broncos trade. Uh, they're, they're, getting, they're desperate. That's what the trade was. You can't be this desperate. I'm sorry. I mean, you the future for a bunch of washed old men. Now, yeah, like I just I, now, I, I remember, think Payne's a good head coach. It's just like a first and a second. I remember remember like, what the Raiders did with John Gruden. They traded uh the the Buccaneers, I'm sorry. They traded two first round picks to the Raiders to get John Gruden. And credit, it did lead them to win a Super Bowl. So maybe the Broncos are trying to think that maybe it could something like that could happen, but I don't know. The way they played last season, they need a, they would need a absolute miracle. TV Here's the thing, in the playoffs. Here's the thing: they're in cap hell. They have no picks. Uh, they're they're like middle of the pack right now for cap space, but it's tough because Russell Wilson they is trade away most of some the money. Of the, one of their best defense, best pass rushers. Like, yeah, but they. I mean, that's the only thing that's that's terrible about it because they trade that pick essentially turned into Sean Payton, so they essentially traded Bradley Chubb for for a head coach. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's the only a, way this works out is really Sean tough. Payne's able to squeeze 11 or 12 wins out of his team. That's, that is the only way this works out. Like I said, if they're able to somehow make the playoffs next season and you're one with Sean Payton, I mean, it's definitely a really good get for Denver because no, I don't think anyone's expecting them to even win, I would say, eight games next season. Especially in that division, bro. Like, it, yeah. I don't like, I think the Raiders are, aren't going to be as good, obviously. But, like, I think – the Chiefs are still uh, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, and listen. the Chargers have a ton of potential. They just need to figure it the hell out. Yeah, like I mean, it's tough in the AFC because obviously you have the Chiefs at the top of the class. You have Cincinnati. You have Buffalo. You're gonna have your teams like the Chargers and the Ravens most of the time as wild card teams. Potentially the Jets. Potentially the Jets. Yeah, maybe the Dolphins. I mean, it yeah, really like depends. That. 
There's a good amount there, of teams. In my opinion, there's just too many good teams in the AFC to risk a first round pick just for a head coach. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, listen. I mean, and they're they're they, they traded the 29th pick, if I'm not mistaken, in this draft. So. The problem for Denver is I don't know what you get with that pick. Now, for the Saints, this isn't a bad get considering that they didn't have their first-round pick because, remember, their first-round pick went to the Eagles for the Chris Olave trade-up. So now this trade gives the Saints potentially maybe an opportunity to draft a quarterback late in the first round. Now, I don't know who that would be. It really depends on where a guy like Anthony Richardson, maybe, in my opinion, where would fall in this type of a draft. So the Saints could essentially draft their – next quarterback, you know, their their first replacement since Drew Brees retired. So this gives them yeah. an opportunity, realistically. And plus, they get the second-round pick in next year's draft also. So the Broncos, you know, continue to play the way they've been playing. It could be a very high second-round pick in next year's draft. So the Saints have a great opportunity, especially considering the fact that they're all they're, they're definitely in cap hell because they have had so many bad contracts. So they, need to, they, just, they just need to play it out from here. So this is definitely a good get for the Saints. And for the Broncos, it's really just time will only tell on how this you know relationship with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson works out. Keep in mind, the original contract that Payton had with the Saints ends at the 2024 season. So the Broncos will have two years. They'll probably extend him, if, if I had to guess, more than the two years that he has on the extension. Because, it's like I said, you're giving up a lot of capital to get him. So Denver, realistically, like I said, they're all in at this rate. They need to try to figure out something sooner rather than later. Because they were pretty much the the laughing stock of the NFL this past season. Yeah, and that's coming from a league that also had the Houston Texans in it. I think it mostly just because of how much expectation well, no, they I had know. going that's into the season. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and that's coming with a league that had the Houston Texans. Like that team was awful. No, it's yeah. No, they they. That's why you're hoping that a guy like D'Amico Ryan's can change the culture. And I think if there's anyone to do it, I think it's him. I think, he, I, think, he's a, I think Lovey Smith got the short. Smith season. probably did, but at the same at the same time, I think you know you need a young type of head coach to get you like that kind of knows the locker room. And D'Amico Ryan is that type of like of coach and type of player that yeah, can get that locker room. We also don't know going. what he's going to be like as a head coach. At least Lovey no, Smith. You're, like, you're absolutely know. right. But keep in mind, he coached one of the best defense. Uh, he coached a really good defense in San Francisco. So. If he's able to bring some of that, you know, to Houston, I mean, who knows I mean, where they go from here? Nick and Adam Gase coached one of the best offenses in football at one point. Like that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. No, but see, this this is where everyone get. You, you talk about when he got hired by the Dolphins or the Jets. The Dolphins. Okay, he was going to get a head coaching job no matter what because Peyton Manning endorsed him. He should never got the Jets job, and everyone knows that. I, I was just making a statement. That's all. Yeah. That's that's fair. Listen, all the time is going to tell when it comes down to these head coaching jobs. And like I said, two more to be determined about the next couple of days. Obviously, we'll have to see where it goes from here. But I know Andrew's been waiting for this type of uh, this part of the show. And it's as he termed it last week, the mushing hour. I think that's where we're going to go with now for this type yeah. of uh, segment for the rest of the, our, our podcast. Um, now, usually we pick the games for the upcoming week, obviously, with just the Super Bowl coming up. We will get into that pick later on, but I want to get into the NFL Honor Awards. Now, obviously, we saw the nominees for each individual award this past week. So, 
I want to get your guys' take on who should win each individual award for the NFL. And, you know, if you want to give a quick synopsis of why you think they should win that award, go right for it. But I want to see how many of these we could potentially get right and then go from there. Well, you can bet on these, so I'm going to count these towards our betting odds, too. Uh, Some of these could be obvious favorites, like Patrick Mahomes, for example, is I think at minus 600 right now. But there's less obvious ones like Brian Dable at plus 175. Uh, So it's going to depend. We really can't take an over, under, or a a spread. No, you're just just picking who you think is going to win. Right, so... It won't be the greatest for EV, but that's how you have to take it. So I guess we'll start off with the coach of the year. Nick, would you want to go into the uh, nominees? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go into each nominee for each award, and I'll you know you guys give me your pick on who you think is going to win it. So for AP Coach of the Year, the nominees this year are Brian Dable for the New York Giants, Sean McDermott from the Buffalo Bills, Doug Peterson from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan from the San Francisco 49ers, and Nick Sirianni for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a tough award because I think, in my opinion, there's three people on this list that really, really deserve it. So I'm yeah, curious to see what you guys have. So, I'm in so, the same I'm, boat. so I think so. I think we're all in the same boat. And I'm going to say who we think deserve it. Um, not in any yeah. particular order, but D- Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, yeah. and Brian Dable. We all agree. No, no. why not? Uh, <laughs> I I was going to say Sirianni. Yeah, that's why I, I was think with. just because. As much as I hate to say it, considering where the, the Eagles, let, yes, made the playoffs last season, but they could see the jump that they made this season. And yeah. now they're a perennial, you know, powerhouse in the NFL. I think that's why. Yeah, Credit, 100%. I don't think he should win it. I think I, I, if I had to rank the three, I think he's I think three. Doug, it's, I think it's Doug Dable, him. So, but so I think who are you taking? Yeah, you're not taking, should you taking out Shanahan then? Yeah. Uh, taking out the guy yeah. that uses third string quarterback to get no, the I, NFC Championship no, game? Shanahan definitely but, deserves credit. He absolutely he definitely does. It. But you got to also put into perspective, like compared to Doug Peterson, for instance, like look at what Doug Peterson did to that team. That team was dog shit last season. Yes, and I'm aware. And any team that lost for not first, but second string quarterback would have guessed that would have been it. I'm not discrediting him. Like, uh, like he's definitely a very good head coach. Brian Dable made. Daniel Jones and the Giants, a competitive team. Like, there are already enough pieces in place for San Fran to be okay. Do I think what he did with Brock Purdy is ridiculous? Yeah, but he was more of a game manager. Like, I'm I'm looking more of the fact of, look at where Doug Pearson brought the Jags. Look at where Dable brought the Giants. And... (laughs) Sirianni didn't make a big enough jump for me. I'm sorry. Uh, with Sirianni, it's like they went from, oh, okay, they're a pretty good team to this might be one of the best team in football. They also add right? AJ Brown in the offseason. You have to remember that. Okay. Yeah, but, but I mean, they had, Kyle they had Shanahan had CMC. I mean, what, yeah, you're your... right, but he has no quarterback. He has no, he doesn't have a quarterback. Remember, look at Jalen Hurts' development too. He's got yeah. he went from a you know a quarterback. A, a, a lot of people going into last a season mark. was a very big question mark. Now you found your franchise quarterback for sure. Jalen Hurts yeah, is like, really so we we could say really our good. top three. So who's your actual pick to win Coach of the Year? Uh, I'm going Doug Peterson. That's I mean, listen, it's fair, Doug Peterson. God had that team at three and seven, and they made the playoffs. 
Okay. Um, would you want to go into it or just want to say Doug Peterson? I mean, we kind of literally just, I just, I think, yeah, I think he pretty much said his piece earlier when, so, um, okay, so you can go Doug Peterson. Just look at, just look at Trevor Lawrence. That's right. No, that's fair. I guess I'll go next. I'm taking Brian Dable because he took uh, a steaming pile of garbage and made him a playoff team. Uh, he Dable was a very close second. For he me. literally took um, an absolute pile of trash. I think we could all agree that Dable and Peterson are a top two. Yes, yeah, I would say they're top 100%. two. Because I would say, I, I'd say it's 1A, 1B. Because yeah, think I about it for that. both of these teams. These teams were projected to finish dead last, potentially. Like You could you could say what you want. Jaguars and Texans like going into the season if you want to pick one of them to be dead last. But they were essentially to be at the bottom of the division. Let's just put it at that. Yeah. And, there were four win teams at best. And they both made the playoffs. You know, barring a, a lot of miraculous like stuff that happened to them during the season. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm just play by. Uh, it's it's gonna sound like bias for me, but I, I agree with Johnson. I'm gonna pick Brian Dable as well. I mean, the way that he was able to develop Daniel Jones this season, Jones looked pretty solid throughout most of the year. Obviously, had a couple hiccups here and there, but he turned out his turnover differential, and that's a big key, which is that was the big problem for him throughout the first four years of his NFL career. It potentially mm-hmm. gets him a contract in the offseason, so we'll have to see where he goes from here. But I think Dable should get Coach of the Year no matter what. Remember, yeah. also, he also wins a playoff game, too. I know Doug Pearson did yeah. the same thing, but both of them did a great job of getting these teams back to winning ways, which they haven't been into in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, Brian, uh, Brian Dable was as close of a second as humanly possible for me. I just think what what Doug Pearson was able to do with Trevor Lawrence and the rest of that team is it's just very hard to not show it not for him to no, win. No, it's it's fair. It's absolutely fair. All right, let's get into our next award, the AP Offensive Player of the Year. The nominees for this award are Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins, Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles, Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings, and Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you guys got? Oh God! This is easy for me. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Okay. I mean, I, I said it, he's not going to win MVP, but he should win MVP. Yeah, I, I agree, but so I'm actually logic, taking Jalen Hurts. Okay. Any reason? Um, the he has had such a good year, man. Like, uh, he transformed that offense. Granted, you pick up AJ Brown, but like. It, as good as Jefferson was, you could only do so much as being a receiver, which gives him more credit. Yeah, it gives but, him a lot more credit because it's... But what I'm going to say is what Jalen Hurts was able to do, not only just throwing the ball, but rushing changed that dynamic of that team and made them so hard to defend. It, it's hard not to give it to the guy. I mean, I just want to make sure I have his stats right. 22 passing touchdowns. He had and... like 3,800 like, uh, passing yards. He had like six 700 uh, rushing yards. I wanted to see his rushing touchdowns. Yeah. That's what that's what I was looking at. Um, goodness, I, guess. I didn't want to give a fake number. That's why. 13 rushing touchdowns. Like... It's tough not to give it to him, in my personal opinion. Nick, your pick? 
Um, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson as well. I, I think anytime you get a wide receiver on an MVP ballot, I think you have to take him for the offensive player of the year. And That's fair. Jefferson was just, you could tell the Vikings are, you know, without We're him offensively, they, they, yeah. they just really become anemic. I mean, you saw in that Giants game, he really got shut down throughout the mess game. And if not for TJ Hawkins and the Vikings pretty much get blown out in that game. Uh, Jefferson was just a monster this year. Was on, I think he was on pace to break Calvin Johnson's record for most receiving yards in the season. He is just an animal for the Minnesota Vikings. Has really changed their culture throughout the past couple of seasons. And he's going to get a big-time extension sooner rather than later. He is just, by far, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the game right now. And I, I just you have to give him the AP Offensive Player of the Year. And he's just really good. No, that's a very fair point. I, it's tough. As much as I wanted to pick him, I I just feel like Hertz was just on a different level this year. All right, next uh, we're going to defensive player of the year. Next, would you like to reveal the nominees? That would be the AP Defensive Player of the Year. That would be between Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Um. I'm picking Micah Parsons. The man's an absolute beast. <laughs> There's no stopping that guy. Yeah. Besides the fact that I think he's the most impactful player on that list, he had just a, such a good year all over the place. I'm going to respectfully disagree and say the most impactful and best player in this list is Nick Bosa. He is the heart and soul of that 49ers defense. The top one of the top defenses, but not the top defense of this past season. Absolute masterclass performance in every single game he played in. I don't think there was a single game where it's like, wow, Nick Bosa's been bad this game. This absolute masterclass on the field this season, making game changing plays almost every single game. It's he had an incredible year, and that's my pick for defensive player of the year. Okay, and I think I'm going to agree with you on that, and I think it's only because Nick Bosa led the year, the you know led the league in sacks. I mean, I think he had 18 and a half on the season. He is really just by far the best pass rusher in the game right now. Parsons is definitely a close second, but Nick Bosa is, as Johnson said, the key you know heart and soul of that 49ers defense. And not that Parsons isn't for the Cowboys, but Bosa just Mike been... Parsons is like having a Lamborghini and parking it next to a house that costs two hundred, uh, like twenty thousand dollars. It's like putting a Lamborghini in a trailer park uh, on the Dallas defense. With all due respect, but also like I think that makes him even more impactful. Yeah, it makes it, it gives him the opportunity to make more plays. But Nick Bosa is making the most plays with a team full of playmakers. Yeah, but at the same time, it makes you. When you're playing with already good players, it makes it easier for you to make good plays. How about the Eli Apple? Buddy. Right, we're not bringing up Eli Apple during an NFL honor thing. We're not, we're not doing that. We're going to go on to the yeah. next award. We're gonna, we're, yeah, I know. I wish you didn't bring it up. Let's go on to the next award. I think this is going to be the toughest award for me to give out. This is a really interesting one. AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. The nominees are Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers, Kenneth Walker from the Seattle Seahawks, and Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets. Oh God, this is the <sighs> toughest. This is the toughest one I've had to decide on. I think I'm going with Garrett Wilson. 
he huh? was the best receiver on that Jets team, not saying very much, but made do with absolutely horrible quarterback play and was still putting up great numbers every week. Like, Kenneth Walker's a very close second for me. I thought he was electric all year, really helped drive the running game for Seattle, but I think Garrett Wilson was just as elite as you can be as a first-year receiver with a crappy quarterback. That's fair. Gaza? So so I'm going to pick Kenneth Walker here only because uh, nothing against Brock Purdy, nothing against uh, Garrett Wilson, but he had over 1,000 rushing yards as a rookie, which is impressive, but you have to account. He didn't start until Game 5. So on paper, yeah, he played the entire season, but those first four games... He wasn't getting touches like that. That's fair. He wasn't touching the ball like that. I mean, and he got hurt in another game, I think, down the line. Maybe it was the Rams game where he uh, or he got hurt, or I know he didn't touch the ball much that game. Wait, he had over a thousand, pretty much he had a thousand rushing yards in a dozen or so games, which is impressive. He would have been, probably been on pace for a 1,300 or 1,400 yard rushing yard season if he had started from day one getting those touches. And for a rookie, that's kind of unheard of. I agree. That's fair enough. This is a tough one for me because I've been between nothing against Garrett Wilson. I, I think he's a great, you know, young wide receiver. He'll do, go on to do great things in the NFL. It's tough, really, down to me between Brock Purdy and Kenneth Walker. As you said, Walker had an amazing season. You know, and that's despite the fact that he missed the first four games of the year, and he still ran for over a thousand yards. And it was a big reason why the Seahawks got to the playoffs. Brock Purdy. You have to think about what he went through. He had, you know, was the third-string quarterback on the team, had to come in during a tough time after Garoppolo gets injured, and he leads the Niners all the way to the NFC Championship game. So, realistically, these two guys both deserve it. Not that Garrett Wilson doesn't deserve it, but compared to the other two, I mean, they were both in key situations and leading their teams to the playoffs. I think I'm going to pick Brock Purdy just because I've agreed with Johnson on everything so far, so I kind of just want to differentiate on something. I think Brock Purdy deserves a lot of credit. I know, obviously, the NFC Championship game was not a good game. But, you know, after the – I mean, can't really do much when you get a torn UCL. You can't fault him for that. So, no. yeah, you definitely cannot fault him for that. I think just getting the Niners into that position is really a testament to him considering he was the last pick of the NFL draft. And he did a lot of really good things with this offense. I think Brock Purdy definitely should deserve it. All right. Yeah, so, I think for next – no, I'm sorry. Okay, I, so okay. Brock part Brock Perry was very hard to not put in. I just think he didn't have as long of a resume as either of those guys. No, that that's definitely fair. So that's the only reason why I, I wouldn't pick him. But that that's a very it's fair. It's fair. All right. Well, so I think the next one we have is defensive rookie of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. That is correct. The AP defensive rookie of the year. I think we're probably going to agree on this one, but we'll maybe maybe not. We'll we'll have to see. That is between Sauce Gardner of the New York Jets, Aiden Hutchinson of the Detroit Lions, and Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Johnson, you can go first. All right. I hope we're all going to agree with this. It's Sauce Gardner. Aiden, okay, Aiden Hutchinson you. is a uh, is a close second. He had a monster end of the season, but Sauce was just so good from day one. And as a yeah. Patriots fan, I have to give him his uh, his flowers here. He had an amazing season, especially as a rookie corner, t- taking uh, the number one receiver out in every single game. I got to see him live this season 
when they played That's the Bengals. And he just completely locked up Jamar Chase. He There was nothing they could do. I mean, there was nothing Joe Burrow could do. Granted, T. Higgins got his numbers that day. He had a very good receiving day. He should have had a little bit more because he, you know, ref ball, of course. But he kept he, he kept Jamar Chase in, uh, in check for most of that game. And that's impressive as a rookie, the, a talent like that, and just keep him in check, uh, especially so early in the season. So he had yeah. that poise from, from day one, and he continued it until the uh, last game of the season. I also saw him play live this year. He locked up digs. Like... Man, it's sauce. Like it, Hutchinson was had a very good second half, but Sauce did it all year. I, I don't even think this should be close. Johnson, what are the odds for Sauce right now? I, I don't have the odds in front of me, but he's the heavy, heavy betting favorite. Okay, that's what I figured. I just wanted to make sure that you know we weren't bullying. Nick. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to agree. I mean, I saw Sauce Gardner pretty much all season, and he was just really good. Changed really the dynamic culture of this Jets defense. It's why they're one of the top defenses in the league. He had a monster season, but not to discredit from the other two nominees, Tariq Woolen, pretty much a no name going into the season, was a monster for the Seahawks and helping their defense. Yeah, he was good. And Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, had a really good second half of the season. He is going to be a monster for that Detroit Lions defense. But the Lions defense just wasn't really that good most of the year. And it really, I think, in my opinion, hurts his chances of winning this award. For Sauce Gardner, the Jets' defense kept them in every single game all season. And Sauce was a huge reason why they got into that point, was locking down a lot of, you know, wide receivers. And it kind of reminded Jet fans of Darrell Revis when he was there. So I think you have to give it to Sauce just because of how good he has been. He's been everything that the Jets have, you know, asked for since they took him with the fourth overall pick. Yeah. I wouldn't go he's Revis-esque yet, but he definitely has the potential to be there. Yeah, no. Give him a couple seasons, see where he's at. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see in a couple years. I mean, Revis was just a different animal. I know you weren't really comparing him. No, no, just, yeah, no. I know, I know what you're going to I had to bring out how elite Revis was. Well, let's get into the next award, the AP Comeback Player of the Year Award. There's another interesting one between these three. I mean... It'll be tough to decide to see where you guys go with this one. It's between Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, Christian McCaffrey of the San Francisco 49ers, and Geno Smith of the Seattle Seahawks. I can already tell where someone's going to go with this pick, so I will leave the floor to whoever wants to open it up. You're actually going to be shocked. I'm not going to say Geno. As much as I, I really want to. I thought I was going to say Geno. It's got to be Saquon. Geno had been in that system for so long. Learning behind, I mean, what we thought was a good quarterback in Russell Wilson. Hey, he um, was a good quarterback. Was. He was okay, a good fine. quarterback. But Saquon really turned back the clock. When I think of a comeback player of the year, I think of somebody that was already a good player and has taken that step back, injuries or whatever, and had then come back out and been elite again. And I thought Saquon was unbelievable all season long. And that's taking nothing away from Gino. And CMC's tough. I mean, CMC's just had a ton of injury issues. I bet anything all year that he would have got hurt. He had a very strong season, but I think him getting traded to the 49ers really, for me, takes a notch down for where I had him. Um, But yeah, Saquon was just ran hard all year long, was the reason why that Giants team was so good. 
All right, uh, I'm gonna head, go ahead and say it. Geno Smith. We thought we would have heard, heard this about a minute earlier when Grayson started talking, but I'm gonna say it now. Uh, it's Geno. To me, it's Geno. This guy was absolute garbage for a decade, and now all of a sudden he's a good quarterback. So uh, to come back to pretty much be irrelevant for the latter half of a decade, you pretty much haven't heard from about Geno Smith really since 2015. Uh, he had those two seasons where he started in New York where he was. Uh, mediocre would be gassing him up, saying, oh, yeah, you're mediocre. Like, no, like he was flat out terrible in New York. And then for a decade, he spends times. He spends. He goes to the Giants. He goes to the, uh, the, he goes to the Chargers. Then he goes to the Seahawks for a couple of years. And now finally in the fourth year in the system, where they trade for another quarterback in Drew Locke. It's like, oh, this guy's being started. No, he comes out in training camp, shows him up. We all, we all have a good laugh. Like, oh, my God, Drew Locke just lost to Geno Smith. How bad can Drew Locke be? Well, maybe Drew Locke's not that bad because Geno Smith just had a Pro Bowl season. Yeah. So, to me, that's to me that's the, that's the comeback player of the year. The guy to, to go to the actual depths of NFL quarterback hell and come back and having a Pro Bowl season his first full year as a starter in almost a decade. That's uh, that's my comeback play of the year. Well, not even that. I mean, look at what the Seahawks were. They were supposed to be a team that was going to win at most maybe four games, and they yeah, made yeah. the playoffs this season. So yeah. Gino definitely deserves a lot of you know credit for how good he played this season and how good the Seahawks played because they definitely exceeded expectations. Um, Obviously, for me, it's probably not going to be a shot that I'm going to pick him. I'm, I've been a Saquon fan since day one. Not a lot of people were on the bandwagon from day one when he got drafted, but I've been Sa- Saquon's biggest fan since he got drafted by the Giants. I'm going to take him to win comeback player of the year. He had a monster season for the Giants, got him to the playoffs, had a you know the game-winning touchdown in that game against Minnesota Vikings, and really, if not for him, I don't really see the Giants really going anywhere this season. He was a big part of why they started the season off 7-1. and Really had a you know not great second half of the season, but if not for that first half of the year, the Giants don't even sniff the playoffs, so Really big testament to him. And the other two, listen, they both definitely deserve their credit. You know, Smith had, as, a, as we said, a really good season. And McCaffrey, you know, started off slow because he was in Carolina. But once he got to San Francisco, he just turned on the Jets. I think he, had, I think going into the playoffs, he had seven straight games with a touchdown. Got two in the, in the first two games of the playoffs for them. And then I also got, actually, he got 10, if I'm not mistaken. Because he got one also in the NFC Championship game. So he was just a monster for San Francisco and probably will be for the next couple of years. But Saquon, I mean, listen, the this is the type of season where you have a monster year and now you're potentially getting a, a big-time contract at the offseason. So it's definitely a testament to him, but you, you could make the same case for Geno because he's probably going to get a big-time contract as well. And then right, I so think... We all have, uh, we've yeah. all had a couple different picks. Yeah. Uh, I've agreed with you a little bit. You've agreed with Grayson a little bit. Uh, we've all agreed a little bit. And let's get into our last pick now. And the last one's the most important one. It's the AP Most Valuable Player Award, which is essentially showing who is the king of the NFL. Now, obviously, our picks from the preseason didn't go pretty much the way we thought it was going to be. I know Johnson and I both took Justin Herbert. Grayson, I forgot who you took. Did you take Joe Burrow? I, I want to say I took Joe Burrow. But I'm not going to guarantee anything. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't remember. I wouldn't be surprised you took Burrow going into the season. I, if I had to pick one, that's probably what you went with. But Joe Burrow is a candidate for this award, so there's still a chance he could win. Candidates for this one are Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, J- 
Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Guys, where are you going with this one? I'll, I can start this. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been saying it all year. Uh, it should be Justin Jefferson, but it's not going to be. So I'm going to pick Patrick Mahomes. When I think the quarterback race is so t- tight between Hurts, Mahomes, uh, Burrow, uh, not really so, not so much Josh Allen. He's like I think a distant fourth. But when it's so tight between those three, you're just going to pick old reliable, which is Patrick Mahomes. So he, he, you know, he didn't have his best season of all time, but he still had an absolute fantastic season. So by his standards, it may have not been MVP standard, uh, MVP season, but for the league standards, it's well above and beyond an MVP season. So Patrick Mahomes is my choice. Okay, Nick, you should go. Um, I'm going to agree with you, Johnson. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win the award. I mean, and I think it comes down to this. I mean, Tyreek Hill gets traded in the offseason. So you're essentially thinking Mahomes is going to you know, still do good but not have MVP type of numbers. And Mahomes still had MVP type of numbers, even if it's not what he used to have in years previous with Tyreek Hill. He did this all on you know, throughout most of the year with you know Travis Kelsey still being there. And they had guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And they had Miko Hardman. They traded for Kadarius Toney. Not guys you would essentially think is a number one wide receiver. And Mahomes still had a really good, solid season. Other than that, the guys that are, are with him definitely deserve an opportunity. If I had to pick a close second, it would probably be Jalen Hurts because he just had a monster year for the Eagles. And he, he's a big reason, the biggest reason, I should say, that they're in the Super Bowl. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. I know, obviously, a lot of people gave me a lot of crap for the Justin Herbert take I had earlier in the season. It's definitely, under, definitely, you know, I definitely deserve all the criticism for that. Mahomes is by far the best one in the league, and he definitely deserves the MVP for what he did this season. Yeah, I mean, you guys basically said all. I'm also going Mahomes. Uh, no surprise, really. Uh, yeah, you guys basically said all. There's not much for me to say. Yeah, it's just Mahomes is going Mahomes. No. Well, because of that, now it's time for the final, you know, preview of the season and it's the biggest one of the year the super bowl preview glendale arizona will be hosting this year's super bowl and it's a big one between the 14-3 kansas city chiefs the afc champion taking on the 14-3 philadelphia eagles the nfc champion a matchup of two heavyweights for this year's super bowl guys the current line for this one we have it's been kind of you know going back and forth between the eagles minus two and minus one and a half current over under is 49 and a half so I'm curious to see what you guys are going to pick for this one. I'm going to be ba- I'm going to be bold. Uh Eagles minus 7. Well, alternative I, spread. Well, I know why he's doing that cuz he doesn't want to see Andy Reid win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So maybe if I just go all balls to the wall and you know the Eagles win on a squeaker, I'll still lose my bet. Uh but I I have some logic behind this pick. Can anyone name me the last time a team kind of squeaked into a f- any either the NFC or AFC championship game or the Super Bowl and won it. So we'll talk about teams that kind of won on a last second field goal or Wait, just kind of It's been a while. Well, right? I, I think the Pat was it the Patriots one when it they was beat... it was it was the Patriots one. Right when they beat they the Chiefs in overtime. Uh I'll try that. I'm, not really, I'm not counting walk offs like that. I'm talking about in regulation. You're where saying you hit Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. In regu- in regulation, right? 
when it's uh, such an even, even game, like like this past one, it's 20-20, and then the Chiefs kind of hit that field goal of time expiring. Not really time expiring this time around, but the so last time that happened, they won a Super Bowl team like right. that. Oh, that's tough because the Giants or won, won the, or even won their next playoff game. The Giants won the NFC Championship game. That was an overtime, so it's not them. I'm not counting overtime games. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get the regulation games. That's uh, you can even go NFC AFC Championship games. Would that be the Rams last season then? Yeah, I guess. And how and and how, and how did the uh, Bengals get into the Super Bowl last year? They won in a last second field goal in overtime. Well, right, not so second, it, but they it, won in overtime in a field yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of two negatives, kind of canceling each other out. But besides that, you think of all the teams in history where they kind of just limp into the championship, whether it's the NFC, AFC, or the Super Bowl. Their odds usually aren't that good. You're talking about teams. I, I, this isn't exact science, but 25 percent chance or less, uh, or less uh, historically. I don't know what the exact number. I know it's extremely low. But that's what I'm going to base it off. The Eagles had two dominating dominating performances, and the Chiefs kind of fell flat. I mean, it's, they shouldn't be there to begin with, but now that I said all this, it's going to come back and bite me in the ass, and the Chiefs are going to probably <laughs> curb stomp the Eagles. But I'm going to go with Eagles minus seven because I don't have any faith in the Chiefs. Okay. That's fair. Um, God, Dante's going to hate me for this. Um. I'm taking Chiefs plus money. You don't often get to see a team that has this much experience with a still a very talented team be a plus money to win a Super Bowl. That's uh, Chiefs plus two, and you're taking the money line? I'm taking them straight money line. Okay, straight money line. Okay. I mean, plus 110 is I mean, what I just saw. In the AFC Championship game, they also started off as the underdogs in that game, too. Yeah. It's... It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. The guy finds ways to win games. Even yeah, if but I find win. it really easy to bet against Andy Reid. Yeah, well, that's fair. But, you know what? I'm kind of indifferent because, for me, if the Eagles win, I get to see a close friend of mine happy. But... I really want the Chiefs to win this game. So we're going Chiefs money line, baby. I can't pick the winner. Of the, I, I probably should pick the winner, right? I, I've been playing it safe the last couple of weeks. I went 2-0 and last week. Nick, it's the last the game of the season. We're I know. I, 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 I have to pick a team. You're right. It's the last game of the year. Um, I can't pick the Eagles, so just give me the Chiefs money line. Uh, it's just the bias in me just doesn't want to take them. I, I will, I'm only regretting it because I know for a fact I can, you know, that's why we call it the mushing hour. I could potentially mush the Chiefs and it could lead to the Eagles winning. Um, I don't want that to happen, but I think at the end of the day, at the, the Chief, this is by far the best quarterback the Eagles are going to play all season. They haven't really, in my opinion, they haven't faced a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes all year. So I think that's going to play a huge factor when it comes down to it. Um, the only thing that I would say would concern me is that is – Mahomes still going to be quote unquote fully healthy by the time of this game because he still has a high ankle spray. We don't know if it's going to, you know, obviously he wasn't fully healthy going into the AFC championship game, but he played a really good game nonetheless. And he's going to be facing the Eagles defense. that had the most sacks in on the NFL with I think over 70 this year. So it's a really good defensive line, but 
They're placing a really good pass, you know, block from the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be a really good game between these two teams. I think at the end of the day, and I'm going to, you know, Johnson, I'm going to make a prediction here, and I could see this very much well happening. If the Chiefs do go on a top, I could see Andy Reid retiring. So you're telling me there's a chance. I could see Andy. Listen, think about it. He's facing his former team on the biggest stage. If he's able to get that second ring against his former team, I don't. That could be a great way for him to go out. And if he and what if he loses? And then here's what here's what also I'm going to say. If the Eagles win, then I could see Jason Kelsey from the Eagles retiring because he just beat his brother at the Super Bowl, and I could see that being a good you know end of the season you know end of his career for him. I think you're going to see someone really important at the end of this game retire. Now I don't know if it's going to be uh, Andy Reid or Jason Kelsey. Hot take. Now, but listen, not all the time you get to see that. Obviously, we only had that last year with Andrew Whitworth, but not all the time you get you see a, a big time player retire or you know a big time coach retire at you know at the end of the season after winning the championship. I think you'll see that. Now I don't know if that will happen. I'm just making kind of a prediction. I've, I I think the Chiefs are going to win, and I think Andy Reid. This could be his last game coach in the NFL, but I'm probably going to be wrong about that because I'm. I'm a mush, as they would say. This is the mushing hour. This is the mushing hour where most of the time our picks are not going to be right. But hey, listen, I'm two and zero. I'm kind of I'm on a little heater, so maybe I'm right this time. You never know. We'll have to find out. But listen, and go you ahead. know what, Nick? Before, before we go, you know what this is kind of reminding me of. Yeah. Uh, this scenario. This is kind of reminding me of the last time the Eagles were in the um, made the Super Bowl. Not the uh, actual teams, but the way they got into the Super Bowl themselves. Remember, Philadelphia, they were a top seed. They had a bye. Right. Uh, they, in that NFC I know they, I know they beat the, game, the crap out they of the Vikings. They absolutely right. destroyed the Vikings. And remember that game where, they, where New England eventually goes to the Super Bowl. They had a very strong season, similar to the Chiefs, right? You're right. New England limps into that championship game, right? Yeah. Philadelphia wins a shootout. Yeah, and it, and, came, down to, it and, came down to who had the better defense. I remember it doesn't that, matter who you had an offense. And that, it came back to the big defensive play at the end. Yeah, I remember that game. I mean, the the Patriots started off really slow, and they came and they, you know they started crawling back into it, but it was just a little bit too late for them to get you know to win that game. But you're right; it was an absolute shootout, and I think you're going to probably see that in this game. I think you know we get it, you hear a lot about how good the Eagles' defense is, but as I said, this is an offense they really, in my opinion, haven't really faced this much you know that good this season. I think you'll see a lot of points being scored in this game. I think over 49 and a half, I think that is a really good, you know, if you want to place that for a bet, I think that's a great opportunity for you to make some money for the Super Bowl. But we know that everyone's going to have their prop bets, whether what the Gatorade color is going to be for the winning wild coach. this year. Heads and tails for the coin toss. How long the yeah, national head. anthem is going to go on. No, it's absolutely tails. Tails never fails. Remember that, folks. Always go with heads. Uh, Always go with heads. Uh, do not listen to these jokers. You want you want to, you want to listen to the guy that went two and zero last week. Um. Anyway, besides that point, I mean, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Two teams, both went fourteen and three. I think at the end of the day, we're going to get a really good one, just like we had last season between the Rams and the Bengals. So only time is going to tell what happens in this year's Super Bowl. But that is in two weeks from now. But that is now going to do it for the All Gas No Break Sports Show. A great conference championship game, even though there was some marred controversy to say the least. But it will all be decided for this year's Super Bowl in just a couple of weeks between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Who will go down as Super Bowl champion? We'll also find out who will win some of those prestigious NFL honor awards. 
Once again, this is Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.